You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. Thanks for joining us, Ohio State fans. We are into Purdue week here, week six. We're heading into the midpoint of Ohio State's football season. We're going to talk some Boilermakers uh, as the Buckeyes head to ross Stadium, a place that has not been overly kind to the Buckeyes over the years. We'll get into that a little bit here with Mick Walker from our 24-7 Sports Purdue site. And then later on, I'm going to be joined by Tim Hall of 97.1 The Fan to discuss kind of the good and the bad of the Buckeyes here. We're almost halfway through the season. I think next week with Penn State coming to Columbus, we'll have plenty to talk about. So kind of almost our mid-season evaluations of the Buckeyes and kind of what we see as the positives, what we see as the negatives, all that stuff. But let's get into it with Mick here, talk some Boilermakers. Mick, how you doing, man? Good, Pat. How are you doing, man? I am good. I am good. Uh, some of our readers, some of our viewers, listeners may know you from some of the other stuff you've done because you've done plenty of Ohio State stuff. Um, you now are helping with our Purdue site as well as doing, you know, I see you every summer at those Ohio State camps. Uh, kind of catch the listeners up on what you are doing first, and then we'll dive into Purdue here. Yeah, so you said I I, pretty, I do a lot of the work over on the Purdue website, whether that's football recruiting, football team stuff, and and I've been lucky to be able to have that opportunity. But I still live in Columbus. That's kind of where, that's where my wife works. So we've been able to stay here, and so that's why I'm at the camps, whether it's the Ohio State camps, really any camp in Ohio, because that's my recruiting is what my job is primarily. So when there's recruiting going on, I like to be there, especially if it's in the state of Ohio. Yeah, you're you're one of the harder working guys I know with. Uh kind of balancing all that stuff. And I know the grind that is recruiting and I appreciate everything you do. I was glad to have you come on board when, when you first, uh, when you first joined up with us, it was, I thought that was a good get by all of us. So I'm happy to have you. Appreciate it, Pat. Thank you. Of course. Uh, okay. Let's dive into this Purdue team um, sitting on a two and four record. I think if you look at the schedule you know, the two wins, Virginia Tech, Illinois, both power five teams. You like that, but lost to Fresno State, lost to Syracuse, and then obviously Wisconsin and last week against Iowa. What are just kind of your your overall impressions of this team through the first half of the season or so? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's been a lot of debate here recently amongst the Purdue fan base, whether whether things would look different under Jeff Brom, who obviously is undefeated at Louisville yeah. with the win over Notre Dame. But the, the fact of the matter is this roster was out of state in which it was going to be a rough season regardless of who the coach was here. Jeff Brom was not necessarily the, the most proactive recruiter. He's not a guy that loves to recruit. I don't think that's changed at Louisville. Now he has a bigger staff and a better staff down there when it comes to that. But just with what he left, Ryan Walters and this current Purdue coaching staff, that the cupboard wasn't super full. So they had to dip into the transfer portal a lot. They brought in, obviously, a whole new coaching staff. You bring in Hudson Card from the transfer portal out of Texas. 
you bring a ton of other guys to stock up the defensive line, a ton of guys in the secondary to kind of beef that up. And so it's been a work in progress to kind of put this this whole new defense and offensive scheme together with so many transfers. And you see that in the results. Some, the teams that they probably should have beaten, they have beaten some of these other games. They've just struggled to get it going. And as the season goes on, the injuries are kind of starting to mount. You mentioned a Hudson card. That's a guy that uh, I wanted to kind of dive in with you. Started his career at Texas. He's at Purdue now. Uh, completing 63.6% of his passes, just under 1,500 yards, six touchdowns, five interceptions. What have you made of his addition to this team, and how has he helped you know, kind of change this offense? Yeah, I mean, it's it's you can probably make the case that he's been Purdue's best player this season, and it, it's not – a super large argument to have there other than a few guys on the defensive line and outside linebacker spots that we'll probably talk about later. But Hudson, he's been pretty much as advertised. They talked him up all spring and summer about how good he was going to be and how good he could be. And he's been that really, he struggled against Iowa because I think his injuries and the hits that he's taken throughout the season are starting to mount. You could see he held on the ball a little bit longer, took a few sacks you might not take earlier in the season. And that was kind of a big disadvantage for them because they knocked him out of field goal range against Iowa a couple of times, but he's been, as advertised, like I said, he, he's he's dealing with some injuries, I think, in the in his neck and his back and upper body type of areas that the um, offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, even said that there was times throughout last week where they were – it was kind of up in the air whether he might play or not against Iowa. So he's obviously – he played, he, he's back. And I, he talked yesterday that he is healthy, but he's he's never going to be – you're never going to be fully healthy in the football season. So I think that's the approach he's taken. And really, he, he's been he's been as advertised. It's just about, you know, they lost a starting right tackle last week. You lost your – you're one of your top running backs and Tyrone Tracy, who you can make a case he's whether he's the first or the second running back, he he's up there. And so you lose those two guys, you lose your other your your star tight end, Max Claire out of Cincinnati, St. Xavier. Those are three big offensive pieces they didn't have for most of that Iowa game. And that, that mounts along with him being injured. What has his experience been? I know he wasn't on the field as much as he would have liked at Texas, but you're in a program like that, not not the Texas of old or, or maybe even the Texas of this year, but uh, still you're in a, a major power five program that has high expectations. Do you think that changes anything when he comes to a program like Purdue to maybe help elevate it a little bit? Yeah, I just think that 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 layer of experience, all those starts he made, all those game reps, all the adversity he kind of went through at Texas has, has kind of been able to help him be as successful as he's been. I mean, you look at it, there were a ton of transfer quarterbacks into the Big Ten this past offseason. I think if you look just number-wise, play-wise, and just watch kind of the, the games, you could probably make the case that he's been the best one, whether that's a, a Cade McNamara who's no longer playing at Iowa because he's injured, or Jeff Sims who's already been benched. you got Luke Allmeyer who struggled against Purdue and has struggled against a few other opponents. Ben Bryant's been good, but he's not been great at Northwestern. You'd look at all the transfer quarterbacks that came into the Big Ten, Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin's another one. Those are probably two of the better transfer quarterbacks that came into the Big Ten, but I think Overall, Hudson's experience playing at a high level in the Big 12 has kind of allowed him to step right in and not miss a beat, even though it's a new offense, new team, and a new program. Weapons-wise for him, who do Buckeye fans need to be aware of? Uh, receivers, tight ends, who, who does he like to get the ball to? Yeah, first and foremost, the biggest name is going to be Deion Burks. He's probably the best pure athlete on the team, and he's he's somebody that even challenged uh, I wish Cooper DeGene last week, who's a a guy that, depending on who you look at, it could be a potential first-rounder in the NFL draft this year. He's a talented defensive back, and uh, Deion Burks went toe-to-toe with him for much of the game and won his fair share of battles, even if he could, if, if the ball didn't get, get thrown his way or whatnot. But um, Deion, he's, like you said, he'll probably draw a lot of Denzel Burke or whoever else is on there just because he's a smaller, shiftier, explosive athlete. They primarily play him out wide, but he does move into the slots every so often, and when they do, they typically try and target him in the slot. He's an explosive wide receiver. Other than that, you're looking at some of the depleted options. Like I said, starting starting tight end, Max Clare went down. He was a guy that Hudson Card really relied upon. Tyrone Tracy was a guy that up until the Iowa game scored an offensive touchdown in every game, I believe, and had a kick return against Fresno State. He's no longer available. And then not weapons-wise, but offensive line, like I said, you lose starting right tackle Marcus Bowe, so he's down. That leaves you when it comes to pass-catching weapons. You're kind of looking at um, – like I said, we got Deion Burks, you got uh, TJ Sheffield, who's a very talented player, but he's more of a complimentary piece. Abdir Rahim Yassin, he's another wide receiver out wide that is talented, but none of them are really alphas the way Deion Burks is. It's a, it's a good compliment, but it it, it is somebody that took a, takes a hit when you lose Trace and you lose Claire. You've mentioned the offensive line and, and some of those injuries. Um, how much has that played a part in what 
in, in some of the struggles, I guess, of Purdue this year, um, especially offensively. Yeah, overall, up until last week when you lose Marcus Bow, offensive line might have been one of the more strengths of the offense just because yeah. how, how well they were playing consistently together. You throw in right before the Wisconsin game, they got their stud center, Marcus, or Gus Hartwig, back into the lineup, and he's been good for them. He's had a few uh, – each game he's had a few miss uh, snap miscues, whether it's just snapping the ball too early. But it was a unit that was playing well together. Most of them all played in all the games, and then you lose Marcus Bow. So now you're you're looking at a team that was – Marcus Bow moved out from guard to tackle this past offseason. So you're looking at a team that was already short on tackles, now having to play probably Daniel Johnson, who's been trying to recover from the knee injury that he suffered last year. as a Kent, former Kent State transfer, likely steps into that right tackle slot. Muhammad Musa, the left tackle, has been good, but he's had his moments as well. And then it's just been you have two group of five transfers that are at guard and Jalen Nichols and Preston uh, or Jalen Grant, and Preston Nichols. Those are two guys that have played good as well. But it's been a good, not great group. It's obviously a struggle when they've gone gone against some of their better opponents, whether that's Iowa or Wisconsin or even Syracuse, just kind of getting pushed and holding up against the passer, which is why Hudson Card has to stay in those hits the way he has. Do you think? I mean, is, is he a Hudson I'm talking about? Is he a guy? Are you concerned he doesn't make it through the season because of some of those? Uh, I think that after the after the way they talked about it, after the way he talked yesterday, I think there's, there, there is somewhat of a concern about that just because of how many hits he's been taking. But yeah. I think Hudson, obviously, he's dealt with the, the, felt, the fact of being benched before, losing his opportunity. I don't think he wants to deal with that again. They don't have a ton of quarter, quarterback depth behind him. They they brought in Ben and Meredith, the guy that transferred in from Arizona State that I had a relatively very small playing experience for the Sun Devils last season. And then behind him, you have a true freshman. So behind him, they don't have a lot of options. So if Hudson Card were to go down throughout the season, you're you're pretty much putting this thing in the tank, which is not good when you consider you still have Iowa or you still have Northwestern, you have Indiana, and then you have a combination of Minnesota and Nebraska. There's four potential wins on Purdue's schedule to maybe get bowl eligible, even though you have Ohio State this weekend and Michigan coming up soon after the bye as well. Well, as I'm sure you know, and obviously our, our viewers and listeners, Ohio State's defensive line hasn't gotten the statistical production when it comes to pass rush. Um, do you think this is a game that Purdue is concerned about, even though Ohio State hasn't had you know, JT Tumalau and Jack Sawyer hitting quarterbacks as much as you like just because of some of those issues? Yeah, I think this is a game where you look at it. I mentioned Deion Burks earlier. You have talented corners and Denzel Burke, David Davidson, and that can kind of go man to man with those wide receivers on the outside, and that allows you then to put a lot more guys on the bot in the box and allow guys like Jack Sawyer, JT Tumalau, Tyreek Williams, all those guys that are Ohio State's defensive front to kind of win one on one matchups against again good but not great Big Ten offensive linemen. So this should be a game where you see this Ohio State defense. Look what it what fans I think imagined it would look like at its peak. Not that it's been bad this season because it's probably been the better than the offense comparative, but it should look what you fans really hope it can look like. Let's flip over to Purdue's defensive side. Um, obviously, Ohio State still has a ton of weapons. The production maybe hasn't been what it was under CJ Stroud, um, but what's your kind of biggest concern from a Purdue perspective? I think I probably know the answer, but uh, what scares Purdue maybe the most about this Ohio State offense? Yeah, another guy they lost prior to last week's game. Might have lost him in practice the week before. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But Marquise Wilson, who was a cornerback transfer they took from Penton State, he yeah. is no longer out. He's out for the rest of the season. So you're starting a true freshman cornerback in Derek Rogers, who was recruited out of high school primarily as a wide receiver, that they've taught to kind of play the cornerback position. That gives them two true freshmen in the defensive backfield between him and the safety, the Dylan Thieneman. You do have two seniors there, and uh, Sanusi Kane and Cam Allen playing the other safety spots, and Markevious Brown, who came from uh, Old Miss, is another solid corner out there. So they have some experience, but you're still two true freshmen, one guy that's still kind of learning to play the cornerback position. That defensive backfield has struggled, especially with guarding slot receivers, so it wouldn't be surprising. Obviously, Mecca Buka, I imagine his status is kind of up in the air at this point. Maybe you see some more Marvin, uh, Marvin, Har Marvin Harrison Jr. in the slot whether that maybe a Cade Stover in the slot. They've struggled against any kind of slot bodies. So I imagine you'll see them, Ryan Day and this Ohio State offense test them there. But then again, like with the experience and the and kind of the lack of talent they have right now at the cornerback position, I imagine you'll see again more of Marvin Harrison Jr. there. Yeah, I forgot to mention off the top, if, if anyone watching this live has any questions for Mick on Purdue, um, throw them in the chat. We'll get to those here at the end if, if there are any. Um, when you look at, you, you mentioned the secondary for Purdue's banged up. 
how can they win against Ohio State? Where do you think is it the defensive line getting pressure on Kyle McCord for an offensive line that's been good but not great? Where where do you kind of see maybe some advantages for Purdue from a defensive perspective? Yeah, I think this defensive front five is the two the two outside linebackers they have is what pretty much what they call their defensive end those ed, stand up edge rushers and uh, Nick Scorton and Cajun Jenkins are probably one of the better pairs in the Big Ten comparative to some of the other teams probably the big the best in the Big Ten West when you look at the other team what the other teams are putting out there uh, Scorton Scorton's been the guy that they named captain they hyped him up all season and Cajun Jenkins been a guy that's put up big statistical numbers so those two should be able to really test the Ohio State offensive tackles, but the whole defensive line in general, playing those those five men on the line of scrimmage with that one um, off-ball linebacker, it might give Ohio State some run fit. There's some scares in when it comes to run fits and trying to stretch because you're constantly going to have a man-on-man. Uh, luckily, like we said, they only have one off-ball linebacker, and Ohio State has struggled to kind of get up to that second level to those linebackers. So if you're able to get up to that one linebacker, that typically that typically gives you an, a, a, an area to bust a big run. When it comes to whether it's Travion Henderson or some of these other guys, but that's again where Dylan Thieneman comes in. He's one of the faster guys on the team, and he essentially plays about 20 yards off the ball, preventing any of those big explosive runs. Obviously, Iowa hit one because he got kind of got sucked up in that in the uh, the play act, the action in front of it, and Iowa hit a big run. So if you can you get those linebackers, you can get Dylan Thieneman uh, tripped up when it comes to just playing that safety spot. the The run should be there, but this front five, those five man up front could be, cause some problems for the Ohio State offensive line. You mentioned off the top the the change in coach this offseason. Um, what's Ryan Walters been like? How's he been received in West Lafayette and, and kind of how the uh, how, how the change has gone? Uh, you, you mentioned the recruiting stuff, but just overall, how do you how do you feel like it's going in, in for Purdue? Yeah, they, they kind of for Purdue standards, they probably rocked recruiting this summer. They they have the number top 30 class in the country and they'll probably add to it more throughout this off throughout this uh throughout the rest of the season and into the winter before signing day so the, i think fans feel good about the future the season results i don't feel like they're too happy with you had a, a game against fresno state who obviously has gone on to become at least at one point was a top 25 team that you probably should have won in the beginning i think fans would also like that syracuse game back kind of knowing how it played out and then this iowa game this past week you have a quarterback that completed six passes and none to wide receivers i think again you'd want that back but Ryan Walters' defense has played better these past few weeks against Illinois, which was a big win. Getting that on homecoming, first win in Ross Stadium was big for Ryan Walters. Um, I think that gave some fans some life. And they've also changed it up a little bit then. Ryan Walters was known for calling this defense. They brought in this airstrike defense with the five and then the one and the five pretty much, a 5-1-5 defense type of thing. He was known for calling Illinois, kind of calling it and curating it there. Um, Kevin Kane, the defensive coordinator, called it for the first few weeks of the season. Up until the Illinois game, the Illinois game, they moved him and offensive coordinator um, Graham Harrell into the booth, and they saw some bigger results against the Illini with that. Um, not the same results against Iowa, but still the defense played well. The offense, I think they would like. There's a few drives they would want back. There's, you can make a case they kick a few field goals. You're looking at an overtime to win, rare minimum there. Uh, there's a, Obviously, it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions, for, as it is with every fan base throughout the season because you're when living and dying with every loss. But I think there's a lot of faith and a lot of belief in what Ryan Walters is going to be long-term. Well, and it's, it's different with Purdue than a place like Ohio state, right? You know, Ryan day comes in, he's expected to win right away because the talents there and whatnot. I imagine there's more sense of, he has a little bit of time to build something. Is that, is that a good read? Somewhat. I mean, like we said, Jeff Brown's doing well at Louisville. So yeah. that hurts. You're coming off a team that won the big 10 West so that you kind of have some expectations there. And then, I don't know if it plays into it entirely, but you know the Big Ten, Purdue has struggled when it comes to the Big Ten, uh, big, uh, the NCAA tournament in basketball. So I think fans are looking for a little bit of hope when it comes to the football Something, season, yeah. and have that having some of the mixed results they've had. I think that that weighs it down a little bit, but still, like you said, I think the expectations are lower. And I think one of the big things when they hired Ryan Walters was getting a coach that can have the higher ceiling than what Jeff Brom likely would have had. And the newer Big Ten with all those teams coming in, whether the USC, the USA, UCLA, the Washington, the Oregon. And essentially that really that really means is can you recruit at a higher level than what Jeff Brown was? And hopefully you can coach up to a similar level that he was. I think they believe that Ryan Walters is going to be able to do that. So, yeah, I think overall it's a little bit low expectations, but I still think they, they believe in what he can be long term and where he can take this program. Do you think it helps with him having the experience he's had in the Big Ten? previously i mean obviously it was as an assistant coach but knowing the conference and, and whatnot to some degree 
Yeah, especially him staying in the West. I think that helps. Yeah. Obviously, Illinois in the West helps. But like you kind of mentioned, it's interesting. They played Michigan last year, and they played him very tight at Illinois. But this is the first time he has ever had to play Ohio State. Anyone on the staff, they, they haven't had a crossover game. They ever have, never have had the potential of playing him. So this is a whole new look. You know, you're obviously raking in a quarterback. They're, Ohio State is not breaking in a quarterback, but they are still getting used to playing with Kyle McCord, kind of opening up that offense. You have Marvin Harrison Jr., you have the pass catchers, but still it'll present a different look. Both sides, you might see each other try and feel each other out early on, and that will that is what can make this matchup kind of interesting early. Yeah, well, and the fact that uh, Ohio State, I think it's since 2000, is 3-5 and five going to Ross-Aid Stadium, which – I've told a few people that this week that we're big Buckeye fans and, you know, realize they've had some struggles there, but just didn't realize how much it's been. Uh, Ryan Day, I think, was even surprised when it was brought up to him. I think you probably have as good of a, a feel for this, have it, you know, be, as you said, being in Columbus um, and, and covering Purdue. How do you kind of see this game playing out? Obviously, Ohio State's a big favorite again, but, but what, what do you see kind of being the, the key matchups and uh, how you see it ending up? Yeah, I trust Ryan Walters enough with the defense to be able to give some things to Ryan Day that will make him hesitant and kind of difficult. Um, I think you'll see him try and stifle that run game and make them maybe force feed it to Marvin Harrison Jr. I think that's where you're going to see it, though. I don't know if Purdue has the horses or if anybody has the horses to keep up with Marvin Harrison Jr. out wide. So I think you'll I think for the fans that are kind of hoping, hey, that we will just kind of make it more aired out and throw the ball more with Kyle McCord, I think you could see that because Purdue is going to focus on stuff in the box stopping the run and getting pressure on the, on the quarterback that they want to win in the, in that front five, that box. And I think, I think that'll be the thing. I think it'll be a war of attrition. I think Purdue has been able to keep up with teams early on and they, but they've kind of gotten worn down as the game has gone on. And I think that's what you'll see again. I don't see, I don't see Purdue being able to pull off the upset in Ross State Stadium. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't see it just because of the, the injuries, the mounting issues and the inexperience that are coming along and when you go along with just pure talent on Ohio State's roster. Well, the good thing for Purdue is I don't think anyone saw 2018 and some of those other ones, right? Uh, those were those were upsets for a reason. Uh, last thing to get you out of here, um, when you, you look at this team, just kind of big picture the rest of the season, Purdue, I mean, what what's kind of the ceiling? How do you see this the rest of this season going beyond this game? Where can Purdue finish in the Big Ten West and, and maybe how you see this record ending up? Yeah, two and four with Michigan and Ohio State left on the schedule. Other than that, you have uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, Indiana, and Northwestern. I, I mean, the hope is you finish four and two down the stretch, right? I think that they get a bye week right after Ohio State. You hope that, yeah, this is one that you can maybe fight for, challenge for. But, you know, I don't think this is one they're circling saying we're going to win this one. But you hope that you can kind of pick off Nebraska, even though that's at Memorial Stadium. You hope that you can stifle whatever Minnesota's got going on with a with still an, an inexperienced quarterback, Nathan Kalamahakis, and then – you hope that Indiana by then, obviously Ohio State saw Indiana early on. Indiana's already fired the offensive coordinator. Who's to say that that could be Tom Allen's last game for the Hoosiers? And then Northwestern obviously has been very feisty against most opponents this season, but hasn't held on. I think you look at Purdue's schedule and see a path to, bull, to being a bull team, but you have to improve after this bye week and kind of know what you are, and hopefully those injuries don't come back to bite you. Awesome, Mick. Thank you very much. Again, Mick Walker. Does a bunch of recruiting stuff for, for 24-7 sports, but in, including stuff on Ohio State, mainly Purdue, though. I appreciate you uh, taking time, Mick, this week, and uh, we'll have you back on again to talk recruiting, Buckeyes, all that, or Purdue, all that good stuff. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate you. Yep. Talk to you later. All right. Again, that was Mick Walker, who has been on the Ohio State recruiting beat before. He's worked for a couple different outlets, um, came to 24-7 Sports, I want to say a few years ago. Um, God got to know a little bit and, and does a good job covering Purdue, mostly the recruiting stuff. But they, uh, you know, they, he also does a, a decent amount of the, the team stuff over there at our 24-7 Sports site. I forgot to mention, I was so excited to have uh, Mick on that I forgot to mention the beer for today. Um, I'm just keep, keep it easy. We're doing this on a Wednesday. Taking a sip there. Uh, we're doing this on a Wednesday because of scheduling conflicts. And then we have to travel, obviously, to get to Purdue uh, on Thursday or on Friday. Excuse me. Uh, so we have interviews tonight with uh, a bunch of assistant coaches. Actually, should be a pretty good group. But uh, keep it simple. Bud Light. And I've got this. 
Ohio Craft Beer, um, Ohio Pint Day 2023 mug or glass, I guess, that I got from uh, got from friends over at Parsons North. So uh, shout out to them. Anyway, let's get back to the Buckeyes. We're going to have Tim Hall on here shortly. Um, I saw a few questions slash comments pop up while we were talking to Mick. So I'll address those until Timmy gets here and we'll, we'll dive into to more specifics on the Buckeyes. Um, this one from Tony Lester. Why don't we try Mike Hall at DN a couple times a game? He's got the speed and the strength, strength in all capitals. Um, I think you kind of hit on it there is because of his size, not to say that you couldn't, um, you certainly see guys in the NFL move around a bit more than Ohio State uh, and college teams do. I mean, you think about a guy like Aaron Donald um, that plays all over the defensive line. And I bring that name up because I think it was Zach Harrison last year called Michael Hall Jr. uh, Little Aaron Donald. Uh, I think the biggest reason is they still like what they're getting from the defensive ends. And I know fans are frustrated. I know, you know, I think that they should be getting more production um, from guys like JT to Malau and Jack Sawyer. And and we're going to talk about that position specifically when Tim gets uh, on here, but I think they like what they've got in the interior and the push, the explosiveness, the, the tandem of Mike Hall Jr. and Tyleek Williams in the middle. And, you know, I think if, if it came down to it in a situation where you needed guys out there, um, I still think Larry Johnson's MO is to go with three defensive ends and one defensive tackle and that Rushman package. Um, we've seen it this year with Caden Curry coming into the game. Kenyatta Jackson too, I think. I'm not sure if he's been on the Rushman or not. Um, but certainly, you know, it's an interesting idea. I, I don't hate the idea of going to it as kind of a change up. He's certainly been able to rush the passer on the interior and you get Mike Hall out on the edge where he's probably uh, got a bit more favorable matchups, especially if you have JT Tumalau on the other side. I don't hate the idea. I just don't know if the Buckeyes are going to do it. Um, this is from Dan Sterick. Uh, I know Dan, so hopefully I pronounced Dan's name right. Uh, Dan asked, why is this game on Peacock? Which is a question I think a lot of Buckeye fans are asking. Otherwise, I would have just ignored Dan as I usually do. Uh, shout out to Dan. Old Fields uh, owner there. Uh, this game is on Peacock because every Big Ten team is going to be on Peacock once. The thought was that... Ohio State Maryland last week was going to be the Peacock game this year for the Buckeyes. That game became a bit more interesting when Ohio State, or excuse me, when Maryland went five or yeah, five and zero. Oh, Ohio State beats Notre Dame. It's a battle of two unbeaten teams for the first time ever. Um, you know, I think that they they realized that that game was going to drum up more interest being on television than it was uh, on you know a streaming service. Look, I know this is frustrating for fans, especially people that that don't have it and have no interest in Peacock. I'm not here to tell you what to do when it comes to your streaming services and and advocate for you getting Peacock, uh, though I do think it's only six bucks or something, and then you can cancel it. There's also the radio broadcast. Um, we'll obviously be covering it. Uh, but this is going to be a thing that's going to happen probably more and more, and you're seeing it in sports um, there's been a lot of, of sports that have gone to streaming services. Look, I, you know, I'm not, I know that a lot of, uh, people that, that watch this aren't big soccer people, but I'm a big fan of, of the English premier league. A lot of those games have gone to Peacock and, and big games too. It's a, it's a shift in the way sports is going. And I think it's only going to become more and more as we move on. Um, you know, people for a long time were cutting, cords when it came to cable and moving to these streaming services and, you know, Netflix and, and things like that. Um, this is the way that these networks think they can make money. And it's part of this new TV deal. I look, I don't think Ohio state football is going to be on Peacock very often, probably once a season. So you're not going to have to worry about it too often. If you're an Ohio state basketball fan, the, uh, the, Buckeyes will be on that, I think, five times this year. Um, but if you're strictly a football fan, it's not something you have to worry about a lot. Unless something changes, I don't think they'll ever put one of the bigger games on Peacock. 
Um, but you never know what's going to happen. If they think they could drive more people to subscribe to Peacock by putting, I don't know, Ohio State, Wisconsin, uh, for, for a lack of a better example, on there, then, then maybe they do some time. I just think this is the way the sports world is kind of going. Um, you know, I think people will adjust. Or, you know, if people don't adjust, then they'll shift back. It's it's really kind of dictated by the consumer because that's, uh, you know, they're trying to make money and, and that's a way to do it. Um, you know, I understand why people don't like it, though. I certainly don't. If I didn't have it and would have to buy another thing uh, to watch games, I would be frustrated, too. So so I completely get that. Uh, Will McCritty at, uh, states in all capitals, CJ Hicks needs to play more. This is something Dan Rubin and I talked about today on the Bucknuts Morning 5. If you missed that, um, I also will have um, a story up later on Bucknuts from Jim Knowles' comments from his Tuesday press conference, and it addresses some of this. I asked Jim Knowles directly about C.J. Hicks yesterday, uh, Tuesday, at the press conference. I, I said, I get asked a lot about C.J. Hicks and why he's not playing, so I'm going to ask you, why is CJ Hicks not playing? Here was Jim Knowles' response. CJ is a great kid, excellent athletic ability. We're getting a lot of, I guess, veteran knowledge and production at the position. The people that are in front of him, and I think that's just the case of him being ready to go. But understanding there are guys who are really veterans in front of him. Yeah, and he's learning every day. Uh, there was a follow-up question asked later about if CJ Hicks would be ready to go. Uh, if, if they needed him and Jim Knowles said yes. So I think you, you're seeing part of the true answer there. I think Jim Knowles is being honest in the fact that CJ Hicks is behind a former or an all American last year and Tommy Eichenberg and a guy in steel chambers who played pretty well last season. Now I think it's fair to make the argument again, this is something we'll talk about when Timmy gets on that the linebackers, at least the last two games haven't played great. And I think there's some reasons for that. But um, they are not ready to put C.J. Hicks on the field or C.J. Hicks is not ready to get on the field, hasn't earned the right to be on the field yet. Um, I think it's important to remember, and I pointed this out in, in the piece that I that will be published later on today. C.J. Hicks was a do everything player um, when he was in high school. He went to a small private school. He was the biggest, strongest, fastest athlete out there. Um, I was talking to Bill Kerlick, our, our recruiting guy, obviously, today about CJ. You know, he played a number of different positions. It wasn't like he was just a linebacker. And then he comes to Ohio State, and he has to learn how to play linebacker in this scheme, which I think took probably some time. So I think, you know, if – Tommy Eichenberg or Steel Chambers didn't come back this year. I think you're probably seeing more of CJ Hicks. I think that because they are both back and Cody Simon is also in the mix, I think that, uh, you know, he's just kind of a victim of depth in front of him. And I still think quality depth uh, or quality players, um, you know, the, I know, like I said, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers haven't played as well the last two weeks but I still think there's good players in there and the Buckeyes will find ways to get that out of them again. Um, you know, I, I don't think that Jim Knowles is just not playing a guy just because if CJ Hicks were lighting it up in practice, he would be playing. And, you know, maybe Jim Knowles isn't the biggest on playing freshman. It didn't seem that way last year. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at what he did at previous stops, but he's obviously putting Sonny Styles out there. Right. And Sonny Styles has, has, earned that right. So, you know, I, I do think that, that Jim Knowles would be willing and able to put CJ Hicks on the field if that were what made this defense better. And uh, Bobby McCormick, the fourth asked, will they ever use a larger number of receivers to rotate in and out? Cause they seem tired in some of their routes. Uh, I don't know if I've seen them seem tired. Uh, Brian Hartline has talked about this before. And look, Brian Hartline played receiver at Ohio State, right? Uh, Brian Hartline understands what it's like to earn a starting spot. And he wants his best players on the field. And he thinks that, you know, when he was a receiver at Ohio State, he wanted to be on the field as much as possible. 
That's the case with Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously, he's playing through this ankle injury. That's the case with Mecca Buka. That's the case with Julian Fleming. Uh, it's just kind of the, you know, the, the way this is going to go. And I think wide receivers know that when they come in, that they are going to likely have to wait. Look, think back over the, this kind of group of, of really talented wide receivers that Ohio State has had. Garrett Wilson got on the field more towards the end of his freshman year. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't – Jack Smith and Jigba hardly played his freshman – well, he was out there, but not as much um, as, he, as he did down the road. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s first real breakout game, the Rose Bowl, because multiple guys are sitting out. Emeka Buka hardly played his freshman year. So the rotation um, as Brian under Brian Hartline has been – short now you know if, if we're talking fatigue in a game you know they have rotated some guys I mean last week Emeka Buka didn't start the game and G Scott did and, and those two rotated quite a bit so I think Heartland has a good grasp on it but um you know I, I don't think he's going to go deep into this receiver rotation um though they may have to a little bit with Emeka Buka dealing with uh you know a, a little bit of an injury all right we've got our guy Timmy Hall from the Buckeye Show on 97.1 The Fan. Tim, what's going on? Not much of a guy, Patrick. How's it going, man? You're not a guy? Uh, what's that What's that line from Dodgeball? And I ain't a guy. There's a lot of lines from Dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, but, right, but that one. You know, the, you know the one I'm talking about, Patrick. I do. I do. Uh, hope everybody in Buckeye Nation is doing well. Yeah, it's Purdue week. We've got a... We've got to exercise the demons. There shouldn't even be any demons. There shouldn't be this thing. There shouldn't be anything hovering when you get ready to go play Purdue, who they're just the Purdue Boilermakers. They're a very average at best college football program. There shouldn't be something that stands in the way of the Buckeyes trying to accomplish all of their college football dreams. So I, I, I think it's going to be fine. I, I don't think there's really going to be uh, as big of an issue as we had in that first quarter against Maryland. But again, like this, this is college football. I, I say this now. I hope that I'm correct because I don't know what the, I wasn't able to listen to the first 30 minutes with the, with your Purdue guy on here, Patrick. I don't know what the, what the tone has been so far this week. We know that the running game was the major tone of Ryan Day's press conference and that dominated last week. It was short yardage. This week it was just the running game in general, so tons of questions on that. I just – I don't quite know what we're dealing with here with this Ohio State offense, what the identity is, other than when you need something to happen, you can just throw the ball to Marvin and everything can be can be good or seem really good until we know that you know we can get past guys like Penn State and guys like Michigan, of course, because we're not – Really here to talk about can this team beat Purdue? That's the game on the schedule, but there's bigger fish to fry after that. But it seems to be this is a a team that's built around its defense right now, and it's it's a little uncomfortable for a lot of people in Buckeye Nation. I mean, it's uncomfortable because it's not a, a dominant 45-point-per-game offense to go with this defense that's shutting people down. So the scores might look a little bit closer even while you're getting, you know, some good performances from people on Jim Knowles' side of the ball. And you know what, Jim? Jim clearly is a guy that's that's adjusted, Patrick. You know, I think that's one interesting thing so far this year is that it's not a blitz happy. I mean, they blitz a little bit, but it's it's not a whole lot of exotic stuff. It's it's a it's a different looking shell. It's a safety driven defense, but yeah. They are keeping things at bay, and they have done the number one thing that they set out to do this year, stop giving up big play after big play. That's not happening anymore. So that, at least, is a really good thing for Ohio State. Yeah, you hit on a couple things that um, – well, one of which I wrote about earlier this week and one of which I've written too many times, so I'm not writing about it again this week when it comes to Jim Knowles' aggression. But first, I think it's weird, like you said – it's weird for Ohio State fans to see this kind of the team built this way because of what it's been under Ryan Day. Like if you went back to the 2002 team, like 
Buckeye fans would be ecstatic, I think, with this offense versus what they had that year um, in some of those games. It's just you've gotten so accustomed to 45 points a game, you know, Heisman Trophy-level quarterbacks. And, look, Kyle McCord may get there at some point in his career. He's just not there right now. And, you know, he's doing a good job. It's just not what we've seen from some other Ohio State quarterbacks. And so having a team that's defense first, I think it's risky because one thing goes wrong, you could lose a game. I mean, going back to that 2002 team again, there were a couple times they could have lost, right? Like that was not, uh, it wasn't like they dominated games all year. It was more than a couple. Yeah. I mean, you look back on that season fondly because <laughs> it all worked out. That's why it's a great season, but uh, they, they definitely put pressure on uh, pressure on that defense to hold up a lot. And they did. So if Ohio State can do that, I think Buckhead fans will remember this year pretty proudly. And the other thing with Knowles is he just, he continues to adjust. And he was asked this week, like, did it feel weird? Do you have to adapt to not calling these blitzes and kind of holding these things in your pocket? And he said, no, that's what he spent the whole offseason kind of adjusting himself to do. Um, you know, I think right. he realizes the, the difference. Um, that kind of takes me into to what I want to talk about, which is like the good and the bad of this team. Because this is a 5-0 and football team that's, you know, won most of its games fairly convincingly. Um, but we're talking about a lot of negatives. So we'll start with that. But I do want to hit on the positives too, because I think there are quite a few of those. Um, what is your what is your biggest concern, biggest negative from this team right now? Offensive line. Offensive line is is for sure it. I just think when you watch the the left tackle and the right tackle, and then you hear Ryan Day say how nobody in practice is really even close to pushing those guys. To what he say, you know, earn something around in that twenty snap range, yeah, twenty to thirty. Yeah, in that in that twenty to thirty snap range. So, if nobody is doing that in practice, and then what you're seeing, game in and game out, and the the lack of consistency from Simmons and from Josh Fryer, and how you know there, there were a couple of examples where both of those guys got simultaneously beat, and then the pocket collapses from the outside in, and that's problematic, especially when you're trying to. You know, we talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. still being one of the most elite players in college football, bum ankle or healthy ankle. I I think it's accurate. But if if your run game is going to be sluggish and you want to try to do what you do and just get to throwing the ball on early downs, you also got to be able to block it. And I, I feel like they've they've blocked pass. They've they've pass protected better than they have run blocking, you know, and, you know, the easy thing to do to look at the passing numbers Ohio State had and see how they only ran it for, you know, one and a half yards. And if teams are stacking the box, you can kind of manipulate that a little bit. But it's still, you get back to dominance, you get back to physicality, you get back to winning in the trenches. It all it all comes back to the offensive line for me, Patrick. What about you? Yeah, yeah I mean, look, I came into the year concerned about the offensive line. I was concerned the other way around, though. I thought they would be able to run the ball fine it would be the pass protection that might be the problem with two tackles that haven't been, you know, really tested at this level. Um, I think Joel Klatt going back and watching that game on the broadcast last week really showed that well of how these guys in the run game aren't getting, aren't creating holes, but then aren't getting the second level. And look, Travion Henderson can bust some big ones and we've seen that and he can kind of make, an offensive line that's not doing great things run blocking when you didn't have him last week, you know, the, I, I think they finished with like 3.2 yards per carry for the running backs. Um, the issues were just so apparent, especially because Maryland, a team that didn't run the ball well, really did go in and, um, you know, put, get to that second level and, and handle Ohio state's, rush defense or uh yeah rush defense so look right now you're fine but i think Ryan Day made a point this week coming down the road you're gonna play in some bad weather games we've seen it year after year in the big 10 you've got to be able to run the football uh you've got to and finishing last week's game with what was it 62 yards against a defense that wasn't great uh in terms of stopping the run and you know i'll be very interested to see this week because purdue's banged up how can you, how can you handle, you know, can you get it going this week? But 
you got to be do it, be able to do it against the big boys. And I think it's, it's certainly a, an area of concern because it doesn't seem to be getting better, right? If it had slowly gotten better, I'd feel a little bit okay about it, but it's not, it's, it's the same thing every week. And I think what you're trying to say is it doesn't matter about whether the box is stacked or not. Yeah. Like there, you need to at least be able to get three yards, right? Like that, that should be your goal, even against a front that doesn't really look all that enticing just because it's about what, what you want to do. And I know like football is all about scheming things up, right? It's a numbers game and sometimes throwing the football is going to be smarter, but it's like you said, when you get into colder weather situations and you think about that Northwestern game last year where you really just could not throw the football. So you want to be able to exert your will on other teams. And we just haven't seen that consistently and it is funny, like I still like I completely sign off. I completely sign off on Ryan Day getting to have his moment and blow up a little bit after the Notre Dame win. I thought it was funny. I thought I mean, I, I know he wasn't going for humor there. It was more about passion. But I get a kick out of that kind of stuff just as a college football fan because yeah. it spices things up, whether it's going into a matchup or certainly after a matchup and you get the win. But physicality and toughness is still something that you're looking for this program to continue to prove. And it's the short yardage situations. It's the run game. These are two topics in a row, right? That has dominated the midweek press conference that get back to physicality and toughness. This has kind of been the trend here. So it's what we're seeing. It's, it's the reason for it. Ohio state's a really, really good football team. Everybody knows that, but what is going to happen when you square off against some of the other football teams in the country that are known more for their physicality and their toughness than they are for their skill and their speed and their high-end talent. Because there's other teams out there, and that's always a really interesting clash, right? When it's more you know, experienced guys or just tougher, more physical, want to throw their weight around more so than just how fast are you on the edge. And there's, you know... Michigan looks to be like a team that's got a little bit of, of a mixed bag with with both of that. You know, not not as many weapons, not as much talent as Ohio State, but it ain't like they they don't have any. And they certainly have been one of the premier teams up front, certainly in this conference, when you look at their O-line and their defensive line. And uh clearly that hasn't tra- that hasn't translated into them with college football playoff success. But still, it's something that that Ohio State's got to think about here and I mean, I'm I'm really intrigued to see you know these two games. You know, this one Saturday because it's a road test that they pass it with flying colors, and if they don't, what's that mood? What's that tone going to be like going into a Penn State matchup? Which I think we we see now this is a much better football team than even Notre Dame was. Yeah, and I think you go back to the Ryan Day comments, like Lou Holtz was talking about what you're talking about the physical toughness. Ryan Day, when saying, you know, his team went on the road and won a top 10 game, that's more mental toughness. Like in that game, they weren't blowing Purdue or blowing uh, Notre Dame off the ball, but they did find a way to win it. Right. And if that, I think this goes back to what we were saying off the top. Like if that's going to be what this team is, if they just keep finding way to win games, even against good teams. Yeah. Great. But again, you're, you're risking a little bit there. Um, what about what about what has stood out to you on the positive side? What what is like the thing that has you look this this team could still do some things if it gets this this and this figured out? Defense, it's it's defense, and you said earlier that it's a little unnerving when you know your offense isn't putting up enough points because when you're built around defense, then you know it just takes that one mistake, right? And it was it was. Wild to watch in the Maryland game how the defense actually started the scoring for Ohio State. That's something that you really got to tip your cap to those guys on that side of the ball. Yeah, yeah. I know they wound up giving up, you know, a couple of touchdowns, but still, like one of those evens out because they put seven on the board for you. Well, one was a short field. Six. One's on that short field too. Like exactly. You know, that's not as much on the defense. Like. It'd be great if they could stop there, but yeah. tough. I I agree. And the other thing too to note about that first drive is that was just a wildly good catch. Yeah, you know, absolutely. 
sometimes football is going to happen, right? You play against these Penn State receivers or some of these other high-end Big Ten receivers. That was a, a hell of a catch. Dude caught it with his left arm, and it was blanketed by Davison Igbenosin, and Davison Igbenosin is still trying to rip the football away from him while he goes to the ground. Maybe it was like, all right, give up. The guy clearly caught it. Just let him let him have the touchdown. Let's live to fight another day. But it's it's the fact that you're not – seeing busted coverage so it, it tells you that the five dbs that have those responsive those responsibilities back there to defend the pass even when you know sunny styles is one of these guys that can come up and and stop the run as, as good as any safety that we've seen they're not letting any anybody run wide open anymore everybody is checked you might get an occasional pi you know you might get a touchdown thrown on you but it's against good tight coverage and that I can live with. You can't live with guys not knowing what the hell they're doing. Yeah. And you're not seeing that anymore. So that, that is showing you that there's some progression, that there's some steps that are being taken in year two of this scheme under Jim Knowles. So that's really comforting. It's like, I called it the warm blanket over this offense that I just don't quite know what the identity is yet. And I believe they can improve. That's the thing. This defense is sort of holding it down while the offense figures out where it's going, while they figure out, can we run the football? Can we run the football like we need to? I've seen some questions in here in the comments too, about, you know, the way that they run it, you know, the type of, you know, blocking schemes that they go with where it seems very tricky for some of these pulling guards to then get, get a hat on the right guy. And they're just, they're missing those, those running and charging blocks where like guys, should salivate for that, right? It's in they're struggling a little bit in that, so that maybe they need to look at a change up there. But I doubt that they would do that this far into the season and with Ryan Day doing what he does. But the defense is the thing that that comforts you right now. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing and specifically the secondary, but you covered that. So I'll hit on a different thing here. I think this passing game, it's not CJ Stroud yet, but I mean. When, when Kyle McCord gets going, and I think that's the biggest thing, he needs to figure out how to be consistent. But when he gets going, you know, he can hit those deep shots. I think he's throwing 50% on 40-yard or longer throws, which is ridiculously good. Um, he, he I saw I saw somewhere, I don't remember the number, but his quarterback rating on those long throws is like, if you use the NFL model, it would be like top three in the NFL. So he yeah, can hit yeah. those. Um, he was a bit inconsistent against Maryland with those short passes. I think probably that first one doesn't hit. That also happened late against Notre Dame, so something to keep an eye on with him. But, like, there's something there. And obviously they have these weapons. And Marvin, if he's, you know, at least healthy enough to do what he did last week, and they Emeka can be out on the field, and Julian Fleming's playing well, um, if you can get that consistency out of Kyle McCord, and maybe just get something out of the run game, get something figured out that works. Like I think this offense can then take that step to be maybe not as elite as some of these Ryan day offenses have been, maybe not top five, six, but you know, I think they're ranked like 33rd in, in uh, total offense yards per game. So if they can get up into like top 20 and this passing attack and keep doing what it's doing, uh, I think I think this you know I think there you're playing more complimentary football and and things can get interesting. What what else do they what else do they not do? What else does this Ohio State team not do? That's a good thing that they don't do. They don't turn the ball over. They don't turn the football over. They don't turn it over. Yeah. So the only interception that Kyle McCord's had all year, and damn it, Pat, I think it's the only one that was really even close. You know, sometimes you have balls that are just dropped by the defense, but. I know Kyle will miss some throws, but he seems he had to miss one against right Notre spot. Dame that was close. One, he had one bad throw against Notre ah, Dame. Yeah. Okay, but other than that, he did. He had was that the ball that he threw over the middle when the Buckeyes were backed up and he sailed it. Yeah, it was like a post pattern. Okay, there was actually probably two. I think it was. Uh, uh, I forget the kid's name. Number zero, maybe. Uh, there was two. Yeah. In that game. Okay. All right. All right. All right. But Look, but you know, a top ten team on the road. But, you know, that's that's a lot of football, too. Like, that's yeah. we're talking about one game on the road, big time spot. And we're going into the we're going into the sixth football game of the season here. And the one interception that he had, we agree, you break down that play, it's fourth down. 
it's fourth and eight. They're in a good spot on the football field because they're kind of in that go zone where you would even go for it on a fourth and five, maybe because you're on the opponent's, you know, 38, 39 yard line, too long to kick a field goal, too short to try to pooch punt it, trust your offense. And you're not running for the first down. So why would you eat the play? I mean, stupid to eat the play on fourth down and five when you can just pitch it 20 yards downfield and try to squeeze the ball into the window. His first option fell down. Chip Trainum would have had the first down. And so he tried to, it was only a two receiver route combination, I think. So he had a Mecca and he tried to force the ball in. It didn't work. That's the only interception this year and guys aren't fumbling the football. So that's good. And I agree that the passing game, which is why, which is why you, you are a little bit perplexed back to the offensive line conversation where they're just, they're giving him pretty ample time to, to work in the pocket where, you know, you'd think that that would translate to a, to a dominate dominating running game as well, but Kyle can throw it when he gets in rhythm. He just needs to figure out how to, how to start, how to start a little bit better, you know, and you can't have a first quarter like that when you get into some of these better teams where the first pass off the bus is, you know, skipping it to Marvin Harrison jr. It's like, let's, let's get that ball. Let's, let's put that in his numbers. That's just a, a simple 10 yard pass where you've got the lane right there. It's just a, it's just a quick bubble screen to so hit him and let's go, let's get up field. But yeah, there's some stuff to like, there's some stuff that they can build on. Cause the numbers that he put up after that first quarter, pretty big time, two, 300 yard passing games now. And you know, eight, eight touchdown passes or what yeah. is it? Nine touched yeah, eight touchdown passes, one pick. You'd like to see him throw some more TDs now. And I think, you know, he can do it. He's capable. Yeah, I think the thing with Kyle, and this became pretty clear last week, like you had a guy in Talia Tagovailoa who was willing to like take some risks, right, and try and fit the ball in tight windows. And sometimes it worked, like you mentioned earlier, guys in tight tight coverage, and sometimes it led to two interceptions. And Kyle may not try and fit those balls in as many windows, but he's also not going to turn the ball over, at least hasn't this week. I think people are going to be pretty mad at you here if they turn the ball over this week, though, Tim, because – you, you may have just jinxed him there. So knock on wood over I don't there. Do, no, no. I don't do the I don't do the jinx crap. I'm not uh, the taking one, it. The one other field thing, goals and all that. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not playing that. No. You led right into what I was just gonna say, and we don't have to go into it really, but the one <laughs> other thing that could be much better is special teams. Uh they could they could do some better things on special teams. Obviously, they had the issues last week, but contrast again, Ohio State to Maryland. Last week they try and fair they fair catch a punt I think it was when no one's around Maryland catches a punt when a guys are starting to close in kid breaks it for thirty yards Maryland's in much better field position um, There's obviously been the errors going back to the Michigan game last year Their field goal kicking's good Their punting was really good last year But uh, I think that's more on the players Look Dave Biddle if you if you are on our podcast a lot. Dave Biddle has talked a lot about Parker Fleming, so I won't go down that route. But uh, that's something that I I just wanted to say could definitely be better. Anything else you need to add, Tim? No, just keep doing the little keep doing the little things. You know, keep doing the little things that make you a great football team. Like we talked about, not turning the football over, uh, tackling on defense, continuing to improve the pass rush on the defensive line which is something that we didn't hit hit on much here, but I want to keep seeing yeah. it. I know uh, Jim Knowles keeps telling us and keeps telling us that his star defensive ends are doing everything that they're asking them to, but the expectations are high. I mean, I think we've seen a little bit more from 44 here, from, yeah, from Tui Molo sure. Al. Definitely seen his game pick up. I'd like to see Jack Sawyer's game pick up to that same kind of level and then maybe start to rise above it. But I, uh, I like what you get. Out of Tommy Eichenberg up the middle, I've heard some noise about the Buckeye linebacker play, and I, I don't know. I really struggle to see where that's coming from from the fan base. If they got a problem with the way that Ohio State's linebackers are playing, I I don't see it. And uh, again, I see a great secondary that's playing behind them as well. So just just go and whoop Purdue, please. Don't make it a thing. Don't make it a thing. No apologies for it. You know, just go go out. And spank Purdue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, this should be this should be one. This should be a, a relatively easy win. Mick was talking, our Purdue guy earlier, about all the injuries Purdue's dealing with. This should be this should be a relatively easy one. You got a score prediction yet, Tim? 
No, I'll be giving that on Friday. All, All right, right, Pat? I figured. Friday at about 6, 620. We'll do our picks, and we'll get the, the score and the prediction for Ohio State at Purdue. And we'll see you – it's only Wednesday? We'll see Today's you tomorrow, Wednesday. right, for some yes. beers and Buckeyes? Thursday, beers and Buckeyes. Uh, I will have to do it from a bar because it's saved the crew day. Uh, so there's a little celebration going on over at Endeavor. But uh, I'll still answer the phone. We'll still We'll still do it. It really will be beers and Buckeyes for yes, you. Yes, it will. Yes, it wow. will. Wow. 6.33 yeah. tomorrow night on the Buckeye Show, on yep. the fan. All right. Well, Tim, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. I think we hit on some really good things there. Yeah, appreciate it. Everybody in Buckeye Nation, thanks for listening and watching. And have a great rest of your week. Enjoy college football Saturday this weekend. There's nothing better than it. Yep. All right. Thanks, Tim. All right, that was Timmy Hall joining us. Um, I quickly want to hit on a couple of things that got thrown in uh, the chat while we were doing this live here. Uh, Then I'll get to the final thing on what you'll be reading on Sunday, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, The first one from Mr. Jlex09. We watched Tommy struggle week after week. We saw Proctor get pulled for an entire season. What's the catch here? Well, Tommy Eichenberg was an All-American last year. He's played arguably two poor games. We didn't touch on it there, but I think that this is more on the scheme and how they've both linebackers have been asked to play this year. Last year, I think they used them. They've used them more in blitzing. They were, you know, big time tacklers this year. It's more, they've had to be in zone coverage a bit more. They're trying to sit back and put that shell on the defense. They're not as aggressive, which is keeping the big plays down, but I do think it's hurting the defense. Um, Josh Proctor, I think, was a guy that last year was kind of on the edge of being a starter. Lathan Ransom was coming back from that broken leg. And so I think there wasn't a lot of leash there for a guy like Proctor. And I think there was more than just one play that was the issue. And I think they knew what they had in Lathan if he was healthy. So I don't think the two were necessarily comparable. Uh, Tony Lester, in all caps, why won't we send a corner blitz from the weak side? Uh, We have the safeties to cover. I mean, the answer is just kind of what I said. They're trying to keep that shell, that cover on the back end of the defense so that they don't give up the big plays. That doesn't mean that you won't see it at some point. They did it at times last year, but they don't want to risk that big play that kills them right now. And look, it's working. They haven't given up a play of 40 yards or longer this season. Um, I think it's in the arsenal for sure. I think Jim Knowles will call it at some point this season, but it's just kind of protecting this, this defense and it's been working. Um, And then Sue, our girl Sue, do you guys think that day is struggling with play calling when he has an offense that's not as high flying? Um, No. I mean, I think people have been frustrated with Ryan days play calling at times throughout his time as a head coach. And and look, his first year in 2017, that offense wasn't as elite with uh, JT Barrett and people wanted Dwayne Haskins and whatnot. Look, I think you saw what Ryan Day can do again in the second half against, or really in the second, starting in the second quarter, they recognized what what they could do against Maryland. Uh, They started taking those shots. It was working. Um, You know, I, I do think that they can make some changes with how they're calling the run game and things like that. But you kind of live with the good and the bad, but I still think he's one of the best play callers. And look, this offense could be a lot worse, right? I mean, right now they are pulling this up 38th in the country, averaging 434 yards per game and 27 tied for 27th, averaging 35 points per game, you know, given some of the struggles rushing, running the ball and the fact that Kyle McCord is still kind of settling in. I think they've, they've done a good job. All, all things considered. Could it be better? Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is right now. Uh, but I do think Ryan Day continues to be one of the best play callers in the country. Um, all right, we'll get out of here with the what you'll be reading Sunday, uh, kind of what, uh, you know, how I envision, not necessarily how the game's going to go, but I think the headline on Sunday, really maybe Saturday afternoon, evening, um, kind of when it comes to Ohio State will be something along the lines of 
Ohio State handles Purdue, ready for Penn State challenge. Uh, for me, this seems like a game, and we'll have our predictions out at the end of the week, but this seems like a game where Ohio State looks pretty good. Um, and I think you'll be concerned, I'll be concerned, if they don't, looks pretty good. Um, you know, they should be able to get some things going in the run game. They should be able to continue building this defense. I think even if Emeka Buka is out, you could still have a pretty decent pass game. So, you know, I think this should be a game where starters can get out early. I think they feel good coming out of this one, heading into Purdue, or excuse me, heading into Penn State. And, you know, that, that Buckeyes handle Purdue ready for Penn State challenge. I think that's what you're going to read on Sunday morning, Saturday night, whenever the whenever you're reading your stories from, from the post game. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, this has been another Bucknuts happy hour. If you've not already a Bucknuts subscriber, we've got a lot of good stuff on the site. I State just had a commitment right before we started recording this. Uh, Bill Curlick has stuff up on there. Um, head over to Bucknuts for coverage on Purdue. We'll have some interviews tonight with a handful of Ohio State assistant coaches and some players, tonight being Wednesday, depending on when you li listen to this. So we'll have plenty from that as well. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy this weekend. I hope you're able to watch this Buckeye game, even though it's on Peacock. And thanks again to Mick Walker and Timmy Hall for joining me. I appreciate it, and thank you all for tuning in. Cheers, Buckeye fans. Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.